Boomerang, whenever you're ready, OC. O-C-Z-G-F-D. Great face day. Hey, how we doing? What's up? I'm the OC, that guy in the orange. Well, you're not even releasing visuals on this yet, huh? I don't know. That's up to Dave, man. I'm not the technical guy. Anyway, it's OCZ and GFT. Great face day. I have a pink bandana on and an orange Steve Nash shirt on. Back for another edition of the podcast. The formula is this. Rona rant. Yes. Relevant sports conversation. And yes. viewership recommendation. Yes. That's such a good formula. I, I don't know how millions of people are not listening to this. Who doesn't want a Rona rant? Who doesn't want to hear about whatever concoction of some sort of sports conversation we can come up with? And who doesn't want to have some sort of recommendation to watch with absolutely nothing to do in their house? It's a good formula. So usually the loudest and proudest Rona rant comes from Zachariah. You want to start us off again? <laughs> of course, OC. I always want to start off. The answer is always yes. Here's my Rona rant. Butt wipes. Butt wipes. Yeah. Wipes for your butt. That are flushable. Now, be very careful, people out there, because there are flushable wipes and there are non-flushable wipes, and you do not, you do not want a plumbing problem on your hands. Yeah, but in today's consumer marketplace, the flushable wipe is far more common and easier to find on the shelves. So it's less of a concern than it used to be. Proceed. Wait, so wait, there's a difference between flushable and non-flushable? Yeah, like a regular baby wipe, not flushable. I've been flushing them for years. Oh, uh, well, good luck with that when that backs up, because my brother had a problem. It cost him about, like, four grand. So you might want to be careful with that. They is say that specific- only on a septic tank, or is that on a regular? Well, more like- important, much more important on a septic tank, but you got to be careful, depending on the robust nature or not-so-robust nature of your plumbing, you got to be careful. Great You're talking about my plumbing or the plumbing that I'm putting down plum- behind me? The plumbing in your house. I don't even know what Great Face Dave was insinuating there, but I don't even want to go down that path. Anyways, the last time that OC came out, once again, he always has a room in my house because I'm just that much of a better friend than he Great is guy. to me. He told me, he was like, so you're not doing regular toilet paper anymore, right? And I was like, oh, no, completely, like 100% not doing regular toilet paper. I can't do regular toilet paper. He's like, yeah, when I use regular toilet paper, I feel like a caveman now, yeah. and I couldn't. I could not agree more. I'm not usually the effeminate type or the metrosexual type, but I cannot do regular toilet paper. It's like you might as well be wiping your ass with a tree log. So I am all about the flushable wipes. Anyways, not sure if you guys know this, but if you go to Costco, first of all, they never have toilet paper, which I don't even get because I don't care about the regular toilet paper. I got tons of that in my house, but I don't use it, so I don't need it. But what you need is the flushable wipes. So my rant for all you people out there, first of all, call your Costco before you go. Don't just go down there blindly like a dum-dum and just sit in line just to not be able to get them. You call the people, you talk to somebody personally, and you say, hey, you got flushable wipes? When I called, she said, we just got 100 packs in. Boom, I'm down there in 10 minutes, and I get, uh, I tried to get four packs of flushable wipes. No, 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 OC. I got two. Yes, I got stopped at the line. They took two out of my cart, and they said, sir, you may only buy two packs. I said, damn it. Anyways, that's my Rona rant for the day. Okay. Have you ever used, like, a bidet? You know what's funny is I got this. on foreign soil. I've got something hooked up to my toilet. It's just like a hose, basically. 
So you can kind of just hose your ass down. I've yes. never had like a legitimate, real expensive bidet. I imagine those cost a lot of money, but well worth it because my whole thing is I don't even shower until I poo. Like I poo and then I shower. There's no point of showering if you're going to poo after because basically the whole shower is ruined. 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 I'm right there on the same page with you. So bidets sound amazing, but I mean, they sound expensive. And like I said, I got a hose and it works all right. But the thing that you have is my favorite thing. I I love that. Oh, yeah. The hose. That's what they have in the Philippines. (laughs) If you go to like Japan or Korea, they have the bidet. You sit on the toilet. In some places, it will sing or talk or make ambient noise and then it will spray you down and and then it will blow you off like a hairdryer. <laughs> oh, see, you seem like a bidet guy. Have you ever used a bidet? I Only on foreign soil. In France, I used a bidet. And in the United Arab Emirates, the bidet at the hotel. Very high class, very lovely. But let me tell you something. Okay. I'm looking right now on the interwebs and bidet kits that you can install on your home toilet start at $49.95. That is not an expensive That's a fix. steal. Yeah, see, that's what I have, though. But what I'm talking about, like, I think an actual good bidet, I think that probably runs you, like, closer to a grand. Like, if you're actually going to do it. Like, I just have a hose. I literally, you can pull the thing up, and you just spray. It's like spraying down, like, a horse or a cow. Like, I just have a hose back there. I don't have, like, a legitimate bidet. It's like your sink hose. Yeah, it's exactly. Exactly. It's like your kitchen sink dishwashing hose. Exactly. That's what they got all in the Philippines, baby. We use it for the Femunda, though. That's – okay. To all our Philippine fans, I love your bidets. <laughs> to all our Philippine fans. To all – As if as if we have Filipino fans. To if, all we, to, we do. if we do, God bless us. We, to all, we of do. Our, all of our Tagalog-speaking listeners out there. Yes. Mahal kita, and we love your bidets. <laughs> Uh, I got a Rona rant. I got a quick little Rona rant for you. I try and at least at least keep mine related to sports and not just personal hygiene. But here's a Rona rant for you. I'm keeping a weather eye on when we're going to get sports back, right? The NFL season, if the NBA is going to come back, college sports, all this yes, stuff. Yes, you're my, you're my news guy. You're my, I'm your weatherman. You're my, you're my anchor on all of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm your weatherman. I'm the one who's telling you. Cloudy with a chance of rain or sunny days ahead. Look, America doesn't copy France on very many things. We hate France. The French have decided that their premier soccer league, it's not coming back until September at least. They announced that? Yes. The French have decided they will not be having... Any sort of large-scale sporting event until uh, probably after September, which is bad news, right, if you're trying to see who's Why the- do they have to announce September already? We're, we're not even in, in May. Well, look, I'm not going to just leave you with that because right God, across the border. Worse? Does it get worse? No, but not so far away. Remember, Europe, it's not like the U.S. and Canada. Europe, everyone's crammed together like the states are, right? Yeah. States are close. Italy and France are only as far away as – you know, Utah and California. Yeah. Italy, they're bringing their soccer teams back to practice next week. Next week? Wait, next week. That's back, right. Back, hang on. Back up. Back up. Italy's starting next week, and France has already ruled out. Yes. They've ruled out all of August and all of September. Okay, so I got a half-glass question. Are they going to show the practices? I will they watch should. that. I will watch that. 
You be watching Serie A practices because we don't have any other sports. I'm not, I'm not watching. Okay, hang on. Back up. Okay. Two things. One, that doesn't make any sense unless France has a bunch of cases in an outbreak and Italy doesn't. It doesn't make any sense that Italy would open up next week and France has already ruled out September. And number two, I'm not watching practices of any kind. I'm not watching players play video games. I'm not watching fake the NASCAR, I am not that desperate for sports, okay? I would rather you and I kick a virtual soccer ball back and forth than me watch a practice of a France team. I'll watch a game, though. I'm not going to lie. I would watch a game. To, so to, to segue on to my rant, because you brought up the video games, my Corona rant is I'm tired of watching people play video games. Fine. I know, I've, I, I, I've, know I've told you. I don't know how you were ever into watching people play Which video games. Dave, you don't have to do it. You know that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do. about I have, it like it's I'll, heroin, OC. I have a problem i have a problem so before i've met my wife i used to play video games all the time okay i would literally do work or school whatever i did and i would go from work or school and then i play video games go to sleep wake up a little early play video games go to work or school whatever it was so we met i stopped it okay and i knew i had a problem so i'm tired <laughs> of watching people and my my rona rant is i said that's it i'm buying one so I've already put it in my shopping cart. I've already paid for it. I'm going to Redwood City to pick it up before 9 p.m. today. At Target. A PS4 Pro. Wait, didn't you just say that you had a problem? And now you're 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 basically a heroin addict that is telling us that you got brand new like blue magic and you're gonna go pick it up from your dealer. <laughs> That's why? exactly what I'm telling you. That's what I am. In this what moment. are you doing? Why 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 are you buying that if you have a problem, Dave? Because that's where I am in the Rona, man. This is that's what my we rant, got. baby. Wait, that's does your wife rant. know that you're buying this? Yeah, she she set it all up. What? She Jesus. she likes to play. She likes to play. She's oh. giving that, you the needle. She's actually pretty good. She's a little better than me when we first started dating. Oh my this God, is, this, this is, is not remarkable. good. What we this just is, got, what we just got what we just got is the equivalent of like. That my 600 pound live TV show, and your wife is the feeder. Your wife is the one that goes out to the store and gets you the she's, fried chicken. Yeah, she's yeah. she's she's airlifting the 20 piece from KFC. She even said she even said, "Don't forget to put the game you want in the cart." Oh my so they God. have it for you. We don't have to You got all the, the, your your guys's Rona rants were depressing. Mine was about butt wipes, and then OC comes with Francis shutting down September. And then Dave Wait, comes in with a uh, hook on crack, and I'm buying, I'm buying a huge pack of crack tonight. I was only bringing France up so we could all point and laugh at France, which is a proud American pastime. Because right across the border in Italy, they're going to play next week, and the French are like, oh, 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 no. we will wait until October. I'm very scared of the Rona. By the I way, have no idea because I'll be playing video games. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to be descending into video game madness while the world spins out of control around you. <laughs> oh, see, we're going to try to record a podcast tomorrow. and We're just gonna, we're going to lose great face day for like the next month for sure. He's not going to sleep. He's not going to eat. He's probably going to lose like 50 pounds and he's just going to know every single move you could possibly make in whatever game. What game are you going to buy? Great face day. I'm going to buy Call of Duty, the new one, Warzone. I'm a sucker for Call of Duty. That's like the only game that I play. Only game I'll play. Shout out to my favorite streamer, Sparrows. 
You guys, uh, okay. if you guys like. All right, all right. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you off there. I can see OC <laughs> shaking his head. That, Throw the flag. There's Throw no, the flag. <laughs> that's like, that's not even, that's not even a flag, OC. That's an ejection. Okay, yeah. real quick, before we, get, before, before we get to sports talk, I want to do a little mini France rant. When I was 18 years old, I didn't get into, uh, I got into UC Santa Barbara and I got into UC San Diego, but I didn't get into UCLA and I didn't get into Cal. And I was hell-bent on going to one of the two of those. So I didn't go to any of them. I just went to a junior college. I played basketball. But before I went to Santa Barbara, I went to Europe. And I, I had family in Italy, so we stayed out there a lot. We spent a lot of time in Rome and Naples and Florence and all that good stuff and Venice. But we went to France, and this was back when you could write in the dates of your departure on the train. So we would take the train from country to country. But my brother, who was a genius, came up with something where you'd put an 11 on the date, and then you make it into a 4. So we'd leave on the 11th, and then we'd leave on the 14th as well. So we'd get two trips out of one. And wow. he, would turn, he would turn like a 6 into an 8. Anyways, he was he was brilliant with it. And we got like probably 30 trips out of what was supposed to be 12 or something like that. So we went to France. We get there. We go see the Eiffel Tower. We go see the Louvre and that overrated-ass Mona Lisa. And we were supposed to be there for like six days. And after 36 hours, I told my brother, do whatever you got to do to the train ticket. Get get me the fuck <laughs> out of here. I hate France. Those people are so mean. They're so nice to American women, but they are so mean to American men. France is the worst. So all of those stereotypes that we have about them, 100% on point. They're listen, terrible. They're horrible listen. people. And you know why they hate us? Because French used to be the universal language, and now it's American, and they can't stand it. It's oh, English. is it American? It's Zach? American, Zach. Is it, is I think it's American? English. English. What's the what, – is there a difference between American and English? Yes. Yes. Yeah. English is an actual language and American is not. Well, American is America. English is giving love to England and we hate England. We had to dethrone them in order to get our own damn country. So actually flag on you. All right, let's get to sports. Okay. I think, I, so I think it's the Parisians that you're mad with, not the French. Who? Okay. Oh, okay. Listen, great face Dave is and getting then, technical. And, on and us. then I think they <laughs> have the, the royal English is what the British speak, and we okay, speak Dave, English. Dave, 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 take your penalty, pick the flag up, take your penalty, walk 15 yards back, and let OC do his thing with actual <laughs> sports. Go ahead, OC. <laughs> it's our Rona rants. Good night. All right, let's get to sports. Look, 15 uh, minutes of Rona rant. There's a little storyline developing around the NBA that I want to talk about. Hopefully we'll have time to get to it. But first, we are consuming this thing almost as if it is a live sporting event, and that is the ESPN docuseries The Last Dance. We're on episodes three and four. Everyone is sucking this up and live tweeting it and doing accessory programming. It is, even if we weren't in a dead period in sports, this would be – a cultural phenomenon, but the Agreed. fact that it has come Agreed. currently, it is just the biggest thing going. Episodes three and four, a little focus on Dennis Rodman in episode three, especially. What do you think about the most recent iterations of The Last Dance? Well, I do. I mean, we obviously are in a time where you're not lying, OC. This is being consumed as if it's the Super Bowl. Now, there's no actual live games being played. All of these games were played 20 years ago. I was, let's see. They're doing 97, 98, so I was 13, 14 years old, something in that realm. So I remember it. I mean, again, nobody can see, but I'm wearing a, a, a sun shirt. So I remember dearly Charles Barkley getting his heart broken by Michael Jordan amongst this run, not this specific year that they're focusing on, but they allowed the cameras to be placed on him. Oh, see, what can 
continues to befuddle me. And the only way that I can properly describe it is to just equate it to, let's say, the Warriors right now. Imagine that Joe Lacob goes to Steve Kerr and they just won the title, right? They just, you know, whatever, back to back. Uh, let's say, you know, a year removed from the Raptors title. And he goes to Steve Kerr and he says, Hey, uh, I don't care if you win every game. I don't care if you go 82 and 0 in the regular season and you go, you know, 16 and 0 or however many wins you need in the playoffs. You're done. You're out of here. I mean, just imagine the backlash that that would cause in this day and age with Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. That totally went unnoticed. Jerry Krause said before the season, he said to his coach, who had just won two titles and they're going for their third, their second three-peat, told the guy, you're out of here after this year. No, it's insane. It's absolutely insane to think about that. And it shows you how different sports media is now. It shows you how different the relationship between fans and teams and ownership and all that stuff is now. It also shows you the difference in, in the power plays between coaches and GMs. If you tried to do that today, you don't get that coach for the final year. Joe Lacob oh, says you, that to Steve Kerr. He goes, oh, really? F you then. I'm out of here. And oh, you else, think in the scenario that I'm painting, you're saying that Steve Kerr just wouldn't coach the season? Why would you? Yeah, Honestly, why would you? You are, you are you? the most – if you just won back-to-back championships, you well, are the, the most in-demand coach. I don't know, but O.C., to, to get another title, that's why you would. I don't think that Kerr would not do it. I just think that the backlash to the ownership – would be humongous I and mean, it would not, I mean, deserve it, basically, it basically went untalked about. Cause if I'm saying in 97, I'm 14 years old, that means I'm remembering these years. These are my formative years watching basketball. I did not even know well, that Krause went into the year and told him no matter what happens, you're done. Well, at, at 13 and 14, I was not paying attention to contracts and things like that. So but okay, but hang on. If you were thirteen and fourteen now, and in that scenario that I painted with Kerr, you would know about it. You probably wouldn't know about it because again, it's a lot more accessible, right? I'm glad you brought this up because it's a segue to something that I really think is the main takeaway from episodes three and four. Not quite as good as one and two, but still great. The Dennis Rodman scenario, he takes a break in the middle of a run and is just like, I got to go to Vegas. You got to let me go to Vegas. So tight. So tight. I love it so much. It's so something I would do. By the way, he didn't miss a game. It shows you, though, the difference between that era of the NBA. Never mind the rougher play. Never mind refs swallowing the whistle, all that stuff. It shows you the different relationship that players had with their coaches, but most importantly with the sports media. Because if somebody tried to do that now, who's the equivalent to Dennis Rodman in today's NBA? Who is it? Mm-hmm. Let's say Draymond Green to be Draymond lazy. Green. That's it. Okay. Draymond Green. Let's say Draymond. Yeah. He's the closest thing for me. I was going to go. I was going to go Dwight Howard. Just no, it's not Dwight. Yeah, let's just soft. say. Let's just say Draymond, just for the sake of the discussion. Okay. Right? All right. Draymond All right. Green goes to Steve Kerr and says, "Look, I'm going to be ready." I'm going to do everything you need me to do. I need a break. I got to go to Vegas. I'll be back in two days. And Steve Kerr is the kind of coach that would be like, yeah, all right, go ahead. But you know why it would never happen that way in the modern era? Because TMZ would get a hold of it. Sports Illustrated would get a hold of it. ESPN would get a hold of it. And Draymond's little catch-your-breath vacation, 
I don't care if it's a bender or anything else, would have 37 sports media attachments following him around, tweeting his every single move. And we are members of the sports media. At least we try to be members of the sports media. I've, I've been doing it for 12 years now. Our relationship is completely ruined with players, with coaches, with GMs, with everybody, because this kind of thing can't happen. Because people cannot have two days to themselves. Whether you were you agree with the fact that he was, should have been given that in the middle of the season or not, doesn't matter. Players can't have this. Blake Griffin was at a park the other day shooting basketballs with his kids, and people were filming him doing that. You think Dennis Rodman would not have a trail of everyone watching him while he's riding a Harley in Vegas? I mean, it's bananas how different sports media is now. Yeah, well, I mean, they did have him on camera. Actually, they showed him drinking a Miller Light and then getting on a... I like that. I like that. <laughs> and then he's, he was drinking kamikazes and whatnot. But look, we got this footage after the fact. I mean, he was dating Carmen Electra at the time, who was an MTV personality or whatever. Yeah, it'd be like dating a Kardashian now. We still did not have cameras following him and giving us live coverage of Dennis Rodman's Vegas Bender. And that's yeah. exactly what would happen in today's era so it's just a completely different environment for athletes and fans and everybody. She looked better now than she did back then. I wouldn't go that far. She probably had some work done. But, yeah, she looked good. I've always been a Carmen Electra fan. I also say, you know what? God bless. Okay? Uh, you want to talk about baseball, 162 games? You want to talk about basketball, 82 games? And when you're that good, blow off some steam. There, there should be built-in breaks. There should be more all-star breaks or whatever. I mean, and if you're an all-star, you don't even get a break because you have to go do all the all-star activities. So I was all for it. I had no problem with it. And Jordan was obviously hilarious the way that he broke it down and was like, if you let him go on vacation, we're not getting him back. If you let him go to Vegas, we're definitely not getting him back. And he did have to end up going to his hotel room, which Carmen Electra hid behind a couch when Jordan arrived to get Rodman and get him back in there. But he was fine. He was leading the, the running drills in practice the next day. So I'm all for it. I'm all right with guys blowing off steam. I think sometimes you need that. It's fine. I'm glad it worked out. But I can't get on board with the idea that people who are making 30 and $40 million a year need an extra day off. It's just like, <laughs> stop it. You work six to nine months out of the year if you're a professional athlete, and you make life-changing generational money in one single season. You need a widow extra away time. You need some me time, Dennis. Oh, see, it's the same reason why when Mariah Carey demands only, you know, green and yellow Skittles in her dressing room before a concert, you you acquiesce to it. You got to do it. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility well, like, or whatever. Again, what you're talking about, though – what you're talking about is a, a drastic change in the way things are done now. Dennis Rodman getting two days off in the middle of the season back then, that was a novelty. People did not do that for good players, for bad True. players, for anyone. True. You did not do it. Phil Jackson was the weird hippie who was willing to be like, oh, you're the backwards walking Indian, so I'm going to give you this. Hey, you can't say that. Native American. I, I think that was a direct quote from Phil there, Jackson. There was, there was an actual name for it. I forget what it was, but I love that Still. scene. Still, I love that great scene. power comes great responsibility, O.C. The backwards walking Native American. There you go. There you go. But at the same time, that was a novel concept back then. And it well, should have been a novel concept back then. Because, guys, the best player in the league at that time was Michael Jordan, who was not doing that kind of a thing, right? 
The yep. Isaiah Thomas bad boys, those Detroit Piston guys, they were never asking Not for extra that. days off. Yeah, yeah. Carl Malone, Carl Malone missed eight games over the course of his entire career. He's yeah. not asking for special days hang off. On, hang on, though. Back up, OC. Rodman did not miss a game. He missed two days of practice. That's it. But the point is, what you're talking about is maybe one of the first examples of a guy who's saying, like, look, I need a little time away. And back then, it was crazy. And now, it's just... Now it would be complete bananas. But I'm all for it. I think more people should get time off. Hell, you and I took the weekend off together. We didn't even talk about it. We did shows on Thursday and Friday. We didn't even talk about doing something on Saturday and Sunday. We needed time apart from each other. And then Monday we come back and boom, it's right back to the good loving. I just I got a question. Do you understand NBA you. compensation models? Do you understand how much money these guys are making for every appearance on the floor and every practice do you have any <laughs> any concept yes of yes of money i'm these aware that's a lot of money De- dennis rodman look different strokes for different folks oc and he marched to the beat of his own drum he needed some time off and look it worked out we all look, know what I'm the ending's alert they win the championship oc I'm fine with Dennis getting his time, and I, if teams are willing to give people rest days and whatever else, I'm fine with it. But don't ask me to be like, yeah, I totally understand why they need it, because I don't understand it. <laughs> but right, sometimes well, don't do. they disguise that in, like, a player injury that's, like, a very vague injury, and they're they giving them, like, to? two days off? They used to. Now they just say load management. What kind of bullshit is load management for someone who makes $34 million a year? That is insanity. <laughs> You're anti-load management? I'm so anti-load management. So you hate Kawhi Leonard? And I will, I would, I would Did take Kawhi my- Did Kawhi Leonard prove his point by winning the championship last year? I would take my anti-load management conversation directly into Greg Popovich's office with Kawhi Leonard sitting right next to me. I would tell both of them to their faces what bullshit it is that they need special nights off because their job is too hard. Well, that's because you're a rugged UFC fighter who no. punches people in the face for a living. No, so you, I would I would point. Hang on, hang on, Osama. I would point to the greatest of all time in their own respective sport. I would not use myself or military or anyone else as an example. I would not compare apples to oranges. I would say, tell me why Michael Jordan needed load management nights, and they would both sit there with their <laughs> mouths slack jawed open and dumb because there's no real reason. Okay. Why have to give superstar players load management nights. These okay. are thoroughbred human being athletic machines. Got they it. don't need nights off unless they're injured. Clearly you're fired up about this. I will just ask you one question, and I think Ooh. I'm just going to – pun intended, I'm going to trump you. I'm going to trump you right here. Did Kawhi Leonard not prove his point winning the championship with the Raptors last year using load management? No. No. He didn't prove the point. What do you mean? He won the title. Okay, how many titles and was, were won? And he was probably, and this is a, an idea, by the way, for all the people listening, they're going to steal this idea from us, but it's something that I want to do with you down the line, OC. Which basketball team got screwed the most by the season pretty much probably being Tostitos, and which basketball team benefited the most by the season probably being Tostitos? But anyways, he won the title last year, and he was probably going to win the title this year with the Clippers. Okay. That's spoiler alert because that's my answer. I think the Clippers got screwed the most. Maybe the All Bucks. Right. 
But anyways, he proved his point of why you do load management, OC. So you're telling me that the only way the best player currently in the game, Kawhi Leonard, can win a championship is if you give him special nights off? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, no, I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm saying it's a way that worked. Well, look, the proof is in the pudding, I suppose, but load management. No, that's it. No, load so management was practiced by every other team in the NBA also, so it's not like it gave him any sort of distinct advantage. What I'm telling you is that if we are looking back at the annals of basketball history, titles were won by Magic and Bird and Jordan and some of the all-time greats on nights when they were sore, when they were tired, when their ankles hurt, when they had a bad Larry knee. Bird basically didn't have a back for like the last five years of his career. That's absolutely right. But maybe if he took some load management, he would have been better off. Maybe he would have. Do you have anything on this before we switch gears? Because I want to get to something else on the last dance. I want to say, as far as the last dance is, episode three was my favorite episode growing up. It, like, brought back so many memories. I was say that I was a big boy growing up, so I wasn't a point guard. I was, like, your four-man, your five-man, and I wasn't that tall. So Dennis Rodman was, like, my hero. And when I saw that the first episode was about Dennis, I just got juicy in my pants, and I got so excited. Whoa, and it brought whoa, back so whoa, many memories. Whoa, 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 whoa. That doesn't whoa. even make sense. It, yeah, Dave, we didn't need juicy in the pants. We could have done without that. Dave, why don't you take a quick break and go play some Call of Duty for a minute? <laughs> I haven't picked it up no, yet. No! OC, don't, don't send him to the needle. I do want to say this. My father, similar to what Dave is talking about, minus the juicy in the pants, he was not athletic. He was a Dutch white boy, think Rick Smiths. So he made his living when he played basketball rebounding. And so he taught me that first team all league, no big deal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you know, shout out Contra Costa College, you know what I mean? Kennedy, Kennedy Eagles in Richmond. But what he taught me to do was to rebound. And what Rodman was breaking down, my dad didn't do it quite to that level because, you know, he's not a professional NBA player. But he used to tell me, watch how people shoot. And Robin was breaking down the science of he, – he basically said, I think at one part during the documentary, he said that he would just take players and he would be like, hey, just come to the gym and shoot. Yeah. And the whole study, how the ball came off. So he knew based on how the ball spun, how – you know where the person was, he knew how to rebound, offensive rebound, defensive rebound. He knew how to do it based on the shooter, not even the guys that he was – going to get the rebounds over, he was yeah. doing it based on the people shooting. Look, and look, that part of it was phenomenal. Dennis Rodman, really important and a wonderful person to be in the NBA at that time because he made people confront their own prejudices against folks who were a little bit different than them, against folks that you know kind of bent their rules of convention and things like that. Dennis Rodman was great because he was a dude that we didn't think of as a cerebral basketball player. We thought of him as hard-nosed and tough. He was very cerebral to your point of what you're talking about right now. But if we just found out from this documentary that Dennis Rodman was the player that introduced the concept of load management to the NBA, then he ruined the damn NBA. <laughs> Why you got to go back there? And, yes, he, you know what he is? He is like the dream pickup teammate. Like if you go play pickup ball anywhere, he's the guy that you want on your team. He's the guy that's going to rebound and defend. He's not going to care about shooting, and he's going to do all the dirty work. Hey, Which is you, then you want to play basketball with me because I can't make a shot to save my life. I got that football guy slash wrestler <laughs> basketball game. You got, you got like the putt shot. I will <laughs> I will foul out of every game. All right, but perfect. I'll, I'll rebound and perfect. I'll play some good defense. And Great, I'll, I'll, and I'll take all the glory Kobe shots. Yeah, there you go. 
I'm right there. What else do you want to talk about from Last Dance? I just, and this is for all the people listening right now that are, you know, under 25 or whatever, millennials. I think I'm on the cutoff of millennial. I think I'm right after millennial. Whatever. To all you youngsters out there, as I get on my soapbox and I get in my, you know, get off my lawn, just appreciate the competitiveness. And I'm not just talking about the rules being totally different, OC, in terms of fouling and going to the lane and the Jordan rules and the Pistons and, you know, the fact that, like, stuff that would get guys suspended for, like, a a month didn't even get a technical foul back then. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the competitive nature and just appreciate that. You know what I always say? And this is what I tell my nieces and my nephews. I'm not the best uncle. But I always say it's not about loving winning. It's about hating to lose. And those guys back then, it wasn't so much that they loved to win. I think right now, you love to win. You love to win. You love to put it on Twitter. You love to put it on Instagram Live. You love to do the press conference. You love to win. You love the glory. You love the parade. It's all about winning, 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 winning. No. Back then, it was about hating to lose. Michael Jordan won those championships and finally dethroned the Pistons, not because he wanted to win so bad but because he did not want to lose to them again. And that is the number one thing that I've taken away from this documentary. Hating to lose is very underrated, OC. Yeah, you know why? And I will piggyback off this point because the NBA in those days where, look, there was respect between competitors, but there weren't real friendships across team lines. Not at all. Right? Which they didn't work out in the off season. They yeah, none of that. You know, they, they didn't, didn't come like, up together in AAU. They didn't yeah. all go to the same school together so they could, you know, share a room and whatnot. They they genuinely wanted to beat one another, and, and it it jumps off your point. These guys hated to lose to one another because they were not friends. They had real rivalries in today's NBA. At the end of it all, it's this big fraternity, and they don't necessarily hate to lose to the other guy, like. Kawhi Leonard might be the only one who's socially awkward enough to not be like best friends with everyone else in that group of elite players. They look, Michael Jordan couldn't stand the idea of continuing to lose to Isaiah Thomas. Still doesn't like Isaiah Thomas. Does that part him? was great when Isaiah was explaining that the Pistons didn't shake the Bulls' hands after the Bulls beat them because the Celtics had done that to them before. They even got to the footage of Isaiah explaining it. Michael was like, I don't care what he says. And Jay was like, I don't care what he says. It's bullshit. Yes. I know why they didn't do it. And it's not because of the Celtics. It's not because of some sort of tradition handed down. They were just assholes. He said it just like that. Yeah, and you know what? He could not stand the idea of losing to those guys continually because he's not friends with them the same way all, all the guys are friends with one another these days. Yeah. And, it was hilarious, by the way, to watch Isaiah Thomas the day after that documentary was released, the day after Isaiah Thomas, of course, gets called to do interviews on every ESPN show on Get Up oh, and all that I, stuff. I missed that. What would he say? Oh, my gosh. It was hilarious because he was, like, trying to explain away, like, no, you know, Mike and me get along. We're friends. He was, like, trying to apologize for the fact that Michael Jordan doesn't like him still. It was insane. It's like, no, Isaiah – it's okay. You can just be like, yeah, Mike and I didn't really get along, actually. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't see that. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he. I mean, he's the reason. I remember hearing this. This I do remember as a kid. I don't remember the Rodman two-day vacation. I don't remember the Phil Jackson being told that he was going to be fired no matter what. But I do remember that Michael Jordan kept Isaiah Thomas off of the Dream Team. 
And that is a hundred percent fact. That is so cold blooded. It's unbelievable. Christian Leitner got to be on that team, but Isaiah Thomas didn't. Exactly. So, so, so cold blooded. No, look, one thing that this documentary is doing, we love the NBA now. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that NBA players are soft or complain about the NBA. The product is more appealing than it ever was. They are soft though. But from like they're soft. General fan standpoint, the NBA now is a much bigger deal than it was back then. Just the fact, right? The NBA is firmly in second place now of American sports pastimes behind the NFL, and it's going to stay there because Adam Silver is a genius business strategist and PR guy and all that good stuff. But I will forever maintain, and we can never go back because the rules have already been changed and everything's already been done. People would love the NBA more now if they were as competitive and gritty and everything as they were then. I promise you, if today's NBA and all of our access to today's NBA was populated with players like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and David Robinson and Carl Malone and all those dream teamers, all these guys who could come together for a gold medal but otherwise wanted to slit each other's throats on the basketball court, today's NBA would be more appealing to fans. We would enjoy the games and the competition more. All right, well, let me ask you this. You think it would be more popular? Because it's, it's pretty tough for it to be more popular than it is now. I mean, they've, you know what the NBA did, which was genius, and I kind of saw this coming about five years ago. I, I saw it evolve, is they turned their offseason into a season like the NFL, like the NFL that's yeah. oh, free agency. And, and, and the NBA has done that. But yeah. so, I mean, I'm with you. I would prefer it. I would much rather them be more grittier and less friendly and more competitive, but I don't know that it could get any more popular than it well, is now. There are two things. There are two criticisms that people have against the NBA. One is that the players are soft, and that would be gone. That part of the con- that one entire fifty percent criticism would be gone. Fact. Right? Fact. I agree. I agree. And the other complaint against the NBA is something that I don't think can be fixed because it's. It's a bunch of middle America telling you that the NBA is too political and they don't want to hear Steve Kerr talking about Donald Trump and things like that. But that's you can't go back on that. That's, you know, the cat's out of the bag there. The NBA allows its players and its coaches to have their opinions and to be socially conscious. And there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But those are the two complaints against the NBA. If you can fully eliminate one of those complaints, then, yes, the sport would be more popular. OK, I just I, I don't see how it can get more popular than it is but yeah I, I think it's more worldwide popular more popular around the world than it was back then when jordan when we're For talking sure. back in 97 yeah. i feel like more people are watching and more people care about the nba around the world than they did back then but as far as like in the united states i feel like it is definitely taken a way back seat to the nfl than where it was back then. Absolutely. And I I think that a portion of that is because we don't have room for the same kind of criticisms of the NFL. The culture of the NFL, for better or worse, is you still play hurt, you still nut up and grit through whatever minor injury you have, and you keep playing and stuff. And people, even people who are not capable of doing that themselves, and the average person, by the way, is not, people admire that. People admire, we admire these traits that, the old school players have that we don't have as human beings. Everyone wants to watch Michael Jordan and Carl Malone and Kobe Bryant because we aspire to be like that. We aspire to have that laser-like focus. We aspire to have that toughness, that longevity, all of those things. We don't have it. We know that we're never going to achieve it, but we like to watch it. And now, look, LeBron James, from a direct skill and talent standpoint, 
definitely belongs in the conversation one-on-one him versus Michael Jordan from just like the the create a player physical profiles LeBron James probably wins that game but the reason we will never elevate LeBron above Michael Jordan is because LeBron is the kind of guy that at portions of his career has taken rest days LeBron is the kind of guy portions of his career that has chosen to whine and folded up in competition and we never saw that from Michael Jordan so if if we saw the same kind of fanatic, crazy, insane drive from today's best players that we saw from those guys, absolutely the league that is already lovable, already popular, it could be even better. I just don't see how it could get any bigger than it is now. Okay, I mean, I mean of course it can. It could be – it's a much more international sport. It's, it's never going to pass football because just like what you were just saying about – Fan is short for fanatic, and it's because people are crazy, and it's because they look at things that they it, – it's like the gladiator, you know, like in the Roman times when they had the Colosseum going. And people go to watch crazy shit that is not part of their normal life. Football will always be more of a gladiator sport. A guy can go play pickup hoop and hit a jumper and yell Kobe and hit the game winner, and he's not going to be able to go out and make a crushing block, you know, playing football. They'll never be able to relate to football like they can to basketball. But that's so what, I think that but, I think that'll you, always be a more popular sport. You're arguing against yourself here because what you're talking about is basketball is more relatable to the average yeah. person worldwide. The most popular game in the world is yeah. soccer by a, a long stretch, and you know why? Because everybody on the planet has some experience playing soccer. Everybody on the planet has some experience playing soccer. You don't have to have pads and a helmet. About, about America though, what's the most popular sport in America? Yeah, the most popular sport in America is football, football, but more people grow up playing basketball in America than football. That's true. I you know. Can't have a pick, you can't have a pickup NFL game, but like you said, everybody can relate and get on board with, you know what? I know what it's like. My point is being a fan, being a fanatic, you go after the thing that you can't acquire. I mean, I feel like that might be part of it, but it's not the full thing. I mean, look, it's far more common for people to get behind things that they truly understand. And in America, there's this myth. No, it's no. OC. it's why people like going to the movies. You go to suspend belief. You go to suspend reality. It's why football will always be the most popular sport, because it's a gladiator sport that we all watch with huge eyes like we're watching a movie. Basketball is a little bit more like, yeah, I could go play pickup and hit a game-winning jumper, NBD. Well, I understand what you're trying to say, but hockey is more you of a disagree. gladiator sport than football. What is yeah. hockey, hockey is more of a gladiator sport than football is, and it's not more popular in America. That's on skates and ice. And, 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 Nobody's and getting down with that. Gladiator UFC is number one. That's UFC, gladiator to gladiator. Exactly. Gladiator. The UFC, there's only a certain amount of people who want that gladiator spectacle. Football for folks is something that now, because of the marketing in the NFL, because of the cultural phenomenon of college football and high school football and stuff, it's taken over baseball, right? But for a long time in America, baseball was the thing that everyone loved because everybody understood baseball. We all grew up with baseball. We all played t-ball and coach pitch and everything else. And basketball can be that. And basketball is that in a lot of ways. There's a lack of appeal when you get to the top level of basketball, a lack of universal appeal because some people don't like how political they are, can't fix that. And a lot of people don't like how soft it's gotten. And quite frankly, you can't fix that at this point either. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith, quite frankly. Wasn't that his TV show? Was it? I feel like Larry Bird wasn't a thorn in Jordan's side like Isaiah was. Right. So Larry and, Bird. And Isaiah, Isaiah's team physically 
got real up and close with him. You know you're not on camera, right? So nobody can see you putting up your dukes, but go ahead. <laughs> well, these are actually more like prison, like getting hot and heavy. And what is it? What is it with you and hot and wet and heavy and pants? And I don't know, but but I feel like there was a grudge there because it was they were the bullies of the yeah, schoolyard. No, 100%. And, and they were assholes. No, I don't think. I mean, no, 100%. But oh, see, to go back to what you're saying, I didn't think that. Larry Bird didn't get flack for it because he was white. I think that's obviously probably going down a... Anyways, what I've loved about this more than anything, OC, is just kind of bringing everybody back. Like, I've seen a bunch of stuff on Twitter where people are saying, wow, if that foul had gotten committed in this day and age, that person would have been, like, suspended. It would have been a flagrant. and he would have been kicked out, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think it's bringing people back to what kind of you're saying. And hopefully... That has some ramifications whenever basketball comes back that more stuff will be allowed. You don't think so? Yeah, no. I'll no. tell you why that won't happen, though, because all of the active players in the NBA are watching this documentary also, and every single one of them is just like, I'm glad we don't do that shit. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you don't think it'll have any difference on, on how they officiate? No. In that documentary, Scottie Pippen was elbowed in the head smacked his face on the court and, and it was ref- just a regular foul and the referee <laughs> grabbed him and dragged him off the baseline just like hey scotty get out of the way and it was just a regular foul just dragging no, dra- no technical <laughs> no review referees in the 90s were dragging bodies out of the way so the game could continue nowadays they would stop they bring a grief counselor down to the sideline <laughs> they clean the floor sure. For sure, you'd have to have like a full-blown psychiatric exam before you could go back on the court. And I get I, it. I, I know that people are going to say, hey, the NBA is still a physical game. I get it. Yes, it's still a physical game. But the comparison to what it was in the 90s when basketball was more competitive and the stars were constantly, constantly, constantly going at each other's necks, that is the stuff that would justify your $50 million a year salary. I think it's night and day. I think that the NBA and like – People in particular are just going to be getting softer. The game's going to get softer and softer until we're just in a movie like Wally, where we're just <laughs> on a spaceship somewhere and we're just wheeling around and there's people picking up our garbage because of all the garbage that piled up. But I think we're just going to get softer. And it's what? just everyone gets trophies these days. I was thinking back when I was a kid, you didn't get a trophy. You might got a, a little ribbon thing that you played in the league but you didn't get a trophy if you didn't win everything is continuously going to get more and more like that and especially yeah it will never revert to back in the old days where people were throwing elbows every time you came in inside the key and i don't it, think it's ever going to be like that anymore and i wish it was because it was so much fun to watch you know what's crazy is we watched those highlights of the the pistons taking people out of midair and the backlash in these last couple days since that aired from the Pistons, it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we getting a bad rap as a dirty team? Everybody in the league at that time had a no layup rule. You did not let people get uncontested layups. So do you remember the Knicks-Heat playoff games? They were like 60 to 64, and it was nothing but a bloodbath. Pretty much it was just free throw shots because everybody was fouling the shit out of each other. Rockets, Suns, Rockets, Jazz, Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Jazz, all of these things back in the day, like they were physical games. But my point is that the Pistons are looking at, they're like, we're getting painted in this bad light. 
and their defense is not like, yeah, we were a badass team. We were the tough guys. They're saying we weren't even the bad boys. Everyone was as dirty as us. That's how different the NBA was back then. There wasn't there saying the bad boys of the NBA. Yeah. I want to throw this out to you guys though. When I see some of that, there's always this question, right? If we take Michael Jordan, we let him play in any era. We know that he's going to be a great player, right? But the conversation is, is like, it well, what era if, or era? It's is it either era or era. Tomato, tomato. I don't know. I think tomato, either, tomato. either. You put tomato, tomato. You put Michael Jordan in any generation of professional basketball, he's going to excel. He's going to be great, right? Say the same thing about Magic. Say the same thing about LeBron James. But like, there's a question of, well, what if John Stockton was playing in today's NBA? Would he be the Hall of Fame kind of guy? What if Patrick Ewing or Hakeem Olajuwon were in today's NBA? They wouldn't be feature pieces of an offense because you know they'd have to have a three-point shot as a stretch big man these days. But I, I, I turn it on the reverse because I'm watching this series. What would happen to like James Harden playing in that NBA? Would he have adapted? Would he be tough enough to get through it? Or would James Harden not be an MVP candidate, not be a scoring title kind of guy because he's too soft and his game wouldn't translate. He wouldn't get the whistles. He wouldn't get to the free throw line. He wouldn't be scoring 45 points a game because people would be beating the hell out of him. I think he would be a very similar player to what he is now. He would still have the three-point shot. He would still get fouls, and he would take much more of a beating than he does now, but he'd still get the foul calls. I think he'd be a similar player. I don't think that there's much of a difference there. I think Steph Curry – see, Harden's bigger. Steph Curry, is more, he's got a smaller frame, so I think – his game would suffer more than a guy like James Harden. Interesting. Yeah, I think he would do the Jordan route where he'd get beat up for a few years and then he'd put on weight and he'd get and he'd have to be in the weight room and he'd have to get stronger. <laughs> Super small Steph Curry, I'd love it. Oh no, not 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 Steph. I, I'm agreeing. Uh, I don't think with that's possible. I think Steph is where he is right now, but actually he would be done if back then because of the zombie meat in his ankle. Would it have never gotten found back then? So he'd be done. But I think Harden could put on weight and get his ankle. His ankle would not be found. Is that what you just said? Yeah, he had like this, like a previous surgery didn't heal right, and so the thing was basically eating away at his ankle. And they did some crazy surgery. They found it and they got rid of it. And then that was like his rise. And then he had this trainer who got him back and basically they worked on his core and got him to where we see him today. Viewership recommendations. I'll start. I'll start because right, I got go two, all right? Okay. Well, two? No, no. Hey, no, no. we have a hey, long let week. Let one one I'm going to bring up every day until Friday, so. Every day you're going to recommend one thing? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. The first one, go watch it tonight. Middle Ditch and Schwartz. You guys know who Thomas Middle Ditch is? No, no what sir. Is you seen Silicon Valley? Yeah. No, sir. On HBO? Yeah. He's like the nerdy guy. He's on the commercials. Anyway, he's a funny comedian. There's a, you remember that old show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? That's just improv comedy on the stage. That was my dad's favorite show. Great show. Just improv comedy on the stage. Who happened to be the most famous and highest paid guy was the worst guy on the show. He was awful. He was not funny ever, but everybody else was. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, so it's improv. I love that show. Yeah, I, I, I could go on for like an hour about that I show. That go ahead. Show. Netflix, Middle Ditch, and Schwartz is just two guys doing improv comedy on stage. It's old school. It's kind of wholesome family fun, but there's too much swearing for it to truly be wholesome family fun. But it's just, it's funny. And it's I'm like, on it. 
It's not oh, something I'm on everyone it. likes a good stand up comedy sketch, but people, you know, improv comedy gets a bad rap is kind of a, a lame shtick. It's funny. Go watch it. What's it uh, called? Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Middle, middle Ditch? Middle yeah. Ditch and Schwartz? Yeah. Okay. It's the names of the two guys. And then the other recommendation is this is one I'm going to bring up every day until Friday when it actually airs. E60 is doing a documentary called Project 11 on Alex Smith, the former Utah quarterback, 49ers quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, Redskins quarterback, and the the base. Don't, don't say Redskins, Native Americans. <laughs> okay, the Washington Football NFL franchise quarterback. <laughs> I'm just messing. Go ahead. But it's a it's a documentary about the crazy efforts it took to save his leg. And even his life. Oh God, I remember that. Spiral compound yeah. fracture. And I'm really hoping Alex was a teammate of mine in college, and we're not great friends or anything. But watching his NFL career, he is the least respected, most underrated quarterback of our generation. He's been in rough situations several times in his career. He's been excellent. He just hasn't won a Super Bowl. He's been a Pro Bowl quarterback. But I'm hoping that this documentary of his effort and all the work he put in just to be able to walk around again, I hope it gets him the respect that he deserves because he's he's just an A-class, like high-level person, and I think that this is going to show that, and it's going to be fascinating and kind of gross. I've seen some of the images, pretty gruesome. His leg doesn't even look like a human leg when they're doing surgery on it, Oof. so check Oof. it out. That's out on Friday? That comes out on Friday, Project 11. It's on E60, I guess. So what's that, ESPN? I wouldn't go as far as saying he's the most underrated quarterback of our lifetime, but definitely. Who's more underrated I, than Alex Smith? I don't know. I need some time to think about that, but I could probably come up with somebody. Alex Smith, I, I mean, I'm with you. He's been put in poor situations, and he's succeeded despite that, having, you know, whatever, 11 different offensive coordinators, you know, whatever the hell he's had. And obviously the Chiefs made the right decision in knowing that he wouldn't be the guy that would get him over the hump, but he got him to a first-round bye, got him to a playoff win. He has been a guy that I think should get more love than he should have gotten. I can think of a guy, I could probably think of a Super Bowl winner that's probably more underrated than Alex Smith. But I'm with you on that, and I remember when that injury went down, I remember that being weird from the get-go. Like, I remember... I don't know if it was for fantasy purposes or gambling purposes, but for whatever reason, I was glued to that injury that he had with Washington. And I just remember stuff getting weirder and weirder as tweets came out and complications happened with the surgery. So I I, I don't know if I want to watch it. I don't know if that's a good recommendation because I'm a bit squeamish, but yeah. At one point, he was basically in a medically induced coma yeah. as they were trying to fight this infection in his body and his wife had to make a choice about whether or not, because he was unconscious. To amputate his leg, right? To amputate his leg. His wife had to make that call. Wow. 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 You got a wreck, Dave? I got a wreck if you don't. Yeah, you go ahead. Go first. All right. So my recommendation, you'll find this to be a theme of me. I like stuff that's based on a true story. This series is called Gangs of London. It's a British-American action crime drama television series, and it follows the struggles between rival gangs and other criminal organizations in present-day London. It's on Sky Atlantic and Cinemax. And, yeah, that's all I got for you. I mean, basically, I'm half Italian, half Dutch. Dutch side, we're, like, very nice, and there's no crime, and you can do whatever you want. Amsterdam, you know, prostitution, drugs, all that good stuff. And then Italy, tons of crime and mafioso stuff so i've always been drawn to mafioso things and gangs of london 
is basically the London version of, you know, the Goodfellas or the Godfather or whatever. So Have I highly recommend it's a it's a real documentary or it's a it's a series. It's a series based on real stuff. Okay. Uh, have you seen The Gentleman yet? I have not. Really? No. You gotta what's, see it. What's that? It's a Guy Ritchie film. Matthew McConaughey's a like the biggest weed dealer in London. Oh yeah. Oh, I gotta watch that. No, I oh. haven't seen it. Is it based enjoy- on? Is it based on a true story? No, but it's like the London Underground. It's like, uh, did you ever see Locked Stock and Two Smoking Barrels or? Oh, it's the same director. Snatch. Yeah. I saw Snatch. Oh. Yeah, it's his latest. Watching that tonight. It's his latest, and it is excellent. Good. Actually, I probably won't be watching that tonight because I'll be playing my video game. <laughs> oh God, here we go. We're back. We're back to the heroin. Hey. So, what's your recommendation going to be? Here's my recommendation. Here's yeah, my what's recommendation. Your, your recommendation is going to be video games. No, 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 no. So, my recommendation is going to be on the same wavelength as yesterday, but uh, Netflix original, and it's called Crash Landing on You. Okay. And uh, I'm sure not a lot of people have heard this of this. Is, this is not a dating series, is it? No, no, no. This is a, a drama series based on, it's like your Romeo Juliet kind of story with North Korean boy and a South Korean girl. And What's with you in Korea? Yeah, why are you I, watching so many Korean shows? I mean, I'm Korean, so. Oh, there you I, go. I watch Korean stuff. But yeah, there is subtitles, and yeah, that's going to be my recommendation out of the box for you guys out there. Crash on you. All right, boys. That was sexy. That was hot. Thank you so much for having me. You got it, pal. Holla. Later. All right, I'll see.